Thank you so very much. It is an honor to be here tonight, and it's an honor every week to be here and to be able to lead everyone in worship. It is uh, a calling that I don't take lightly, and I, I, I thank you for pastors that uh, believe in me and our team, and, and I thank you for a congregation that doesn't just sit there. They worship, you know, and uh, thank you guys for being worshipers. So I, I've done this, I've rehearsed this, okay? I, it's not this, first, this isn't the first time I've done it. I've done it uh, several times today. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, it's different when you're singing. It seems like singing comes more naturally to me than speaking. And, uh, you know, just maybe pastor feels the opposite. But uh, what I want to do is I want to get everybody loosened up first. I try to do this a little bit. We always say stand. So everybody, would you please stand? Uh, I know you've been standing already, but uh, I, have, I have a purpose for this. Uh, Pastor Kent and uh, Pastor Randy, please come front and center, please. This is my chance. This might be the only time I ever get to do this. So, All right. I want everyone to do this, though. If, uh, I want you to face the person next to you. If you've got somebody next to you, face them. Yeah, face, face each other. Okay? If you don't have anybody next to you, I want you to make eye contact, lock in with somebody, and point at them. Okay, point at them so they know that you're talking to them. All right, so uh, Brother Mickey, you got somebody pointed at? Point, point at, okay, that's the guy. Okay, you guys, got, you guys know who, who you're looking at. It's one person looking at one person. Now, I want you to get in fighting position. What is fighting position? Oh, very good. Fighting position. Rhonda, that's terrible. All right, fighting position. All right, so I see different styles. Some people are doing more ninja style. Some people are putting up their dukes like pastors are doing. So, okay, so we know what it is. All right, everybody, you can be seated. All right, keep that in mind, fighting position. As a parent, sometimes uh, you have, you have uh, battles, okay, sometimes with your children, and uh, sometimes the energy that you put out, sometimes it's just not worth it. Uh, you know, uh, you have to pick your battles. Sometimes the juice isn't worth the squeeze, you could say. And um, what I mean, like, and let me just give an example. Titus isn't here, but I, so I can say anything about him, and he won't know the difference. Um, but uh, Titus is a, what we call, I guess, a picky eater. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't eat. I, mean, I was a picky eater growing up, and I didn't eat very much, you know. Brother Randy, kind of picky. So, uh, but you've never seen picky until you've seen my son Titus. If it's not a form of bread or cheese, then it doesn't get ingested into Titus. Um, it, is a, it is a battle. Every time we go to eat, every time uh, we uh, go anywhere, really, the, I mean, you can't just invite people over and they, or you can't be invited over to someone else's house uh, if it's not bread or cheese. Just an example, when he eats pizza, it's Bread, cheese, no sauce. Okay? So that's, to me, I just can't understand. But uh, I've come to realize that this is no longer a battle that I am going to be a part of. Okay? I, I'm giving it to God. That's what my mom said. She said, for me, I would just eat certain things, and she gave it to God, and now here I am. So I made it. <laughs> and excelling in it, I believe, at this point. But... As a married person, oftentimes you have to pick your battles as well. Steve, the picture, please. Does anybody know what this is? This is Gettysburg. 
Vietnam. Also known as our master bathroom. Um, my sweet wife, we've been married for now six years. We rarely have a crossword. And, uh, and I think that's because we have a mutual respect for one another. I think uh, uh, I respect her. She respects me. And I think respect is key in any relationship. If you lose respect for someone, you lose a lot of your relationship. And, uh, and so this uh, particular picture, uh, it is a representation of one of our battles. Okay? Uh, why she cares where I place the bath mat on my side of, of the room and where I get ready, where my toothpaste is in the vanity, where my, uh, all my stuff that I need to get ready why I need to step back just a little bit because my feet are bigger than other people's. This is a problem. This on the left is her side, on the right is mine. And uh, so every morning I come in and, uh, and the bath mat is back, pushed back close to the cabinet and then I just take it and I push it back. And it's the same thing every day. So I would call this not, maybe not so much Vietnam but maybe a Cold War. Yeah, a Cold War. In a Cold War, you, you are, you're just moving things around in strategic positions, uh, waiting for the other person to make a move. And when one day they do, it's going to be terrible. And then it's going to end bad for somebody. Well, we choose our battles. And this is one I believe that we just choose to move back and forth and not say one about until probably after tonight. Now it's out. So, but you don't, don't uh, another, you know, choose your battles wisely is something somebody said. Don't fight over everything, right? I think that's important. That's something uh, very relevant in today's time. And it's also relevant in today's scripture. Because um, sometimes you ask, your, ask the question to yourself, is this really worth fighting for? Is this worth waging a war? Um, but we shouldn't really get tripped up in things that don't really matter. And uh, so here's the question I want to ask you tonight. It's wise to choose your battles when you can, but what do you do when the battle chooses you? What do you do when the devil drops something on your front door and you have to deal with it? You didn't cause it, you didn't choose it, and you definitely weren't expecting it. My uh, scriptures are uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And uh, this is uh, talking about Jehoshaphat. And we're, we're, uh, we're going to start in verse 2. It says, Some people came and told Jehoshaphat that a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea, and it is already in Hazazan Tamar, that is in Gedi. So at this time in, in Jehoshaphat's uh, career in Judah, there was a lot of, uh, I mean, really it was a good time. Uh, things have been going very well for a while. And uh, Jehoshaphat gets a surprise that he really doesn't have any time to prepare for. Matter of fact, he has no time. There's, uh, the enemy forces are only 25 miles away from him in, in Gedi. So he doesn't have time to formalize a strategy. He doesn't have time to, um, you know, get an alliance with another country and say, come here, we've got this big thing going on. Can you come down and help me fight? He doesn't have any of that. So, Steve, if you would show the map above, I want to just kind of get your, your attention on what is going on. So we have the Ammonites, we have the Moabites, and the Edomites. 
And you see, they're, all, they're making their way around the Dead Sea, coming up through Judah, and they're already in En Gedi. So danger is imminent. The enemies of Jehoshaphat and the southern kingdom of Judah, they're launching a surprise attack, and they're going around the Dead Sea where not the normal trade routes, but they're going around it. So have you ever got a phone call or a text message or something that just changed your day? And all of a sudden, you're in a battle, or you're getting close to it, and there's, nothing, there's no way around it, and it's on your doorstep. You see, the enemies of Jehoshaphat, um, they, they, they came as a surprise. They came as the, no one knew they were coming, and this was bad news. They didn't have time to read a book. And sometimes, whenever you, uh, whenever you have a situation, let's say like my, my dryer went out one time and I watched a YouTube video and I was able to, to fix it while watching the video. So at this time, we didn't have time to look at a YouTube video. We didn't have time to read a self-help book. We didn't have time um, to go phone a friend. When a situation came in your life and it landed on your doorstep, you didn't have time to do any of this. Have anybody been in that situation? Is anybody going through it now? You know, I think this is for you. If, if you're going through this now, you don't have time. This one caught you off guard. This one slapped you upside the head. This one you can't believe is happening. You can't, you're not even sure that it's real. It's just here. And this time, you don't have time to get advice from the pastor. You don't have time to get advice from your friends or family. You don't have time to get anyone's advice. So it says, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Minyanites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea, and it's already in Hazazon Tamar. Alarmed. It says Jehoshaphat was alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. That's probably what all of us would have done. Uh, here, all you Wednesday night prayer warriors, you would have uh, you would have done exactly that. You would have said, "Oh crap!" Oh, why can't I say crap? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I said it twice. <laughs> you know, um, going on, moving on. All of us sanctified Christians on Wednesday night, prayer warriors, would have, that was the first thing we would have done. Automatically, we'd have been alarmed, but we would have went right to God, and we'd have said, we're going to fast. That's what we all would have done. That's what I would have done. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So all the place, all, everybody's coming. He's getting them all together. And he said, we have to go to God. You know, there's something about a surprise attack or a sneak attack that puts you and drives you right into the presence of the Lord. You know, if you've been in that situation where the, first, the only instinct that you have is to go to God, and that's what happened here. You know, it's the only thing that makes you go to where really the place that you should have been all along. And uh, in verse 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was alarmed but resolved. Jehoshaphat had a determination to seek the Lord even in the face of an unexpected attack. He had already made his mind up. Who would he go to? whenever uh, something would come against him. This was already in his being, I guess. And of course, but he didn't always respond that way. You know, and I think as Christians, we don't always respond that way either. And maybe we do now, but we didn't in the past. 
Just two chapters prior to this, Jehoshaphat, he decided to team up with uh, Ahab and was nearly destroyed, nearly killed because of his decision to do that. You know, it wasn't a bad idea. And a lot of times we don't have bad ideas about how to handle situations. We, uh, but we end up, you know, going to war and fighting a battle that maybe we shouldn't have fought. And, uh, you know, I recall a time when I was in high school. And uh, I, uh, I, wor- I, I, I was wrestling. And I was in the 160-pound weight class. So I don't know if anybody is familiar with wrestling, but um, I, um, I, had what they, I had what they call a forfeit as far as in my weight class. My uh, opponent wasn't there. He had gotten sick or something, and he wasn't there. So that, for my team, that's an automatic win, okay, in my weight class. You have several weight classes that you wrestle through. Well, we also had an absent person in the heavyweight, uh, in the heavyweight uh, weight class. So... I knew we got the win there, but we wanted to really beat this team, and we were going to have a forfeit in that if somebody didn't wrestle in that position. Well, I was considered one of the better wrestlers on the team, so I said, I'll do it. I'll, I'll go up a weight class, and, or two weight, four weight classes, and wrestle, wrestle this guy. Didn't know who he was. I should have known who he was because he was a three-time state champion. <laughs> but I made it out alive. And, uh, and I, felt, I felt a little bit probably like Jehoshaphat did. I made it out alive, but it, I, sh- I sure didn't win. And uh, I was very, uh, I was very uh, well, pommeled is really what it was. It was, it was bad. He kind of just played with me, you know. He knocked me down and set me back up, knocked me down. And then finally, when there was about five seconds left, he pinned me. So it was, uh, it was just really embarrassing to me and, and everything. But I was taught a val- valuable lesson that day from that heavyweight. In, and that was that we must be very careful not to expend energy to fight battles that are not our fight. And the reason I say that is because the next day we had a tournament, okay? And in that tournament, I was seated first. And so that means that by my ranking and by my score, I was supposed to win the tournament. They favored me to win the tournament. However, I took third place in that tournament, and I lost to someone that I had beaten every time in my career. So why did I lose? Because I was wore out from the night before. I was completely drained because I'd give all I had to a battle that I wasn't mine. And so I learned we must be very careful not to expend energy to fight battles that aren't ours. And if you don't have energy left to fight the battles that are yours. So I see this happening all the time on social media. You know, people are fighting battles on Facebook. They're leaving comments and getting in wars with people that are across the country, and they don't have enough energy to fight the battles that are in their own homes. They don't have the words to say to their children whenever they're not doing right. You know, I'm not trying to run the White House. I'm trying to run my house. And sometimes we wear ourselves out wrestling stuff that we're not supposed to fight. But this is what Jehoshaphat wanted to know. He wanted to know, he went to the Lord and he said, is this my battle to fight? And um, Jehoshaphat didn't look around to other people and ask them. He went straight to the Lord and he went to inquire of the Lord. Uh, Now Jehoshaphat was 
I would say shocked. He was, uh, he was very, uh, you know, he says he was alarmed. So he was shocked, but he wasn't shaken. And um, even though he had people coming from behind, he had two or three nations, he might have on his own power and his own, his own country probably could have taken one, but never three. So let's see what Jehoshaphat prayed in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20, verses 5 through 17, Steve. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all kingdoms of the nations, Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it, and they have built it in a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in the presence of before this temple that bears your name and cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. And I'll stop right there for a minute. That's pretty confident. See, Jehoshaphat shifted his focus from the ones that were coming against him, the ones that were raining down on him, to the one who reigns above him. He changed his focus. He, he started saying, he started reminding God of how big he was and how awesome he was and, uh, and you know what? We should sometimes remind God of what he's done for us, and even when we're not sure of what he's doing at the moment. Not so maybe God can remember, but so we can remember. You know, this isn't your first time. This isn't your first, first struggle. This isn't your first diagnosis. This isn't your first uh, time that you didn't know what to do. When Jehoshaphat prays, he does something odd here. He's both praising the Lord and he's blaming God at the same time. Let's go to verse 10. He has a little shift here. The first time I told you it was just all, uh, you know, God, you're awesome, you're mighty. I've got no worries. But then this comes in. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you wouldn't allow Israel to invade when they came to Egypt, and then they turned away from them and did not destroy them. So look how they're repaying us by coming and driving us out of the possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You know, he's saying here, this, this battle, we, we've done the best we can. We've... Uh, We've, uh, we've acted according to the wisdom that you've given us. And in this situation, this isn't our fault. This one's different. This one is not us not being obedient. We have been obedient. And now yet the coalition forces are coming against Jehoshaphat. And the same people, and you heard it in his voice, he said the same people that you told us not to touch and not to drive out, those same people, the offspring of Esau, the son of Isaac, and the son, uh, was the son of Abraham, and Abraham, your friend, these are the ones. Well, you know what? When you have a friend that knows how to fight, it'll give you confidence. 
Amen? Pastor probably knows me better than a lot of us in here. He knows my family. He knows uh, uh, my brother, Jeff. And uh, let me tell you a story about a time that I was in, I was in baseball. I was, I was a good baseball player, but you would never know it. I've told my wife this story before. My coach never let me play. And uh, so I thought it was awesome, you know. I was a pitcher, and I only pitched one game in high school. It was my junior year. And, I, uh, and it was because my coach was gone. The assistant coach said, ah, buddy, man, we're already losing. And, uh, and so I pitched three innings. I had nine strikeouts. So if you're doing the math, nobody hit. So not too bad. Not too bad. I never played again. So the, other, the coach came back. And uh, it could have been luck. And also they also had all their third or fourth strings in. It was really bad. We were getting hit bad. So... Um, it's not as awesome as you think it is. But uh, anyway, I told you that to say this. That we had my, my coach and my brother apparently had a past. I didn't know that, but my coach knew that. And uh, he, knew the, he knew my brother, but I didn't know my brother knew him. My coach was a bully, and uh, he often picked on a friend of my brother's. And um, I would say, and Pastor could probably also say, my brother's always had a heart for the underdog. You know, he always went for the one that was, that, you know, didn't have a chance. And, uh, and so I love him for that. And, uh, and he's a big guy. He, he's always been big. And I'm finally about as big as he is now. But uh, let me move on. Anyway, he, he decided one day that this was going to be the last time that my coach picked on his friend. And let's just say he mopped the floor with him. And... And so that, that, makes, that makes sense to me now. Okay, that's, this is probably why I didn't get to play. <laughs> but uh, sometimes, I, I said that to say this, when you have a friend that can fight, it gives you confidence. And, you know, this friend of my brother's, he didn't have to worry anymore because he knew somebody that was there that would fight his battle for him. And, you know, God is, it, it, you know, we may have battles, but, and they might be bigger than us, but God is also bigger than them. So what do you do when you have to fight a battle and it's not your fault? Sometimes we have to fight things that are in our genetic line. Sometimes we have to fight things that we didn't plan on. And sometimes you have to fight about things that other people did to you. And Jeho Jehoshaphat is saying all that in his prayer. If you look at uh, verse 11, see how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession that you gave us as an inheritance. So we see how the coalition of enemies are driving out the land that we were inherited. Now, I want you, I want you to listen to this, too. I mean, I, I'm, at this point, everybody's dozing off, so we've got to say, I want you to hear this. If it's God who gave it, then it's God's to protect it. If you are God's possession, and if you are stewarding a ministry, or if you are stewarding something that God gave to you to possess, then it's not a matter of how much power you have but it's a matter of how much power God has. And whenever it's God's possession, it's God's problem. And if this hits you, then it's God's, that it's God's possession and God's problem, and you realize that you are his treasure, you are his possession, your son or daughter is his, you are his friend, your friend knows how to fight, and you now are confident in what he can do for you. Let's look at verse 12. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to fa face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I love that. 
God says if you change the focus, then you'll know how to fight. You stop looking at the vast army and how big it is, and you start praising God for how big he is and how great he is. Help is on the way. In verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives, all their children and little ones stood there before the Lord. And in verse 14, then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite and a descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. So why, is, why do you think he said all those names? Why, why couldn't he just said Jehaziel, the son, said this? There's a reason, and, and I, it's something I never thought of, and I heard this on a podcast about why he said every one of those names. It's because, see, these were these Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, of Benaniah, of Jehaziel, of Mananiah, a Levite, a descendant of Asaph. These are all different generations in which God has been faithful. Every time God was faithful. So he needed to mention every generation so that he could put that in their head. It's not about power. It's about your position. I'm so thankful, and I'm sure they're thankful, that the prophet came when he did. Because had they chosen to fight, they would have lost. Had they chosen to take on this battle on their own, they would have lost. It's proven just two chapters before. He learned something. And you know, when you don't understand the nature of the battle that you're in, and you use the wrong strategy, sometimes we lose because we're fighting on the wrong level or using the wrong strategy. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this darkened world, and the spirit of forces of evil in heavenly realms. And that's what we do as, as Christians, and that's what we do as flesh, is we fight flesh and blood. And then we lose the battle in the spirit realm. We're more concerned about protecting our flesh than receiving God's power and his help and provision in our lives. And I've learned in, in life, and it wasn't always this way either, that sometimes it's better to not fight. And it takes more faith to let God fight it. Because we get worried. We start, uh, we start being stressed about it. And, uh, and then we try to take it on our own because we're, we're not patient with God and letting him handle it sometimes. Sometimes it takes more faith to let God sort it out. If you know somebody that's struggling with addiction... And in my former career, I was a, 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 a counselor uh, for mental health and for addiction and for children. And I was also a marriage counselor, but I wasn't married, so that didn't go very well. Nobody listened to me. Um, rightly so. It's a, it's a whole new world when you get married. But back to what I was saying. Uh, you, can't counsel, you can't counsel people uh, that, are, that are addiction with, uh, with um, willpower. I mean, you, you can't overcome it with just willpower. It's not a matter of willpower. It's a matter of worship. Now, I know I'm the worship pastor, and I think, you know, everything can be fixed with worship. And to be honest, it really can. Every, just about everything that you come in contact with is it's a, a matter of worship. Something in their life, that this, this addict, what, has taken the place of worship. And... Only God can meet uh, the same needs that alcohol can. Only God can meet the same needs that pornography can. Only God can fill the, the void 
that overeating can cause and overspending can cause. Only worship can fill that spot. Only God can fill that spot. You have to fix the problem um, with worship. You can't fix the problem by addressing it with willpower alone. You have to fight with focus. The prophet said, this is not even about you, so don't be afraid. It's too big for you. Don't be afraid. See verse 15, it says, don't be afraid of the vast army. This thing is bigger than you, and if you try to fight it, you're going to lose. The battle's not yours, it's God's. If it's too big, it doesn't belong to you. And if it's too big, you've got to give it back to God. Now, um, man, I'm running long. I see how you do that now. Um, but uh, let, me, let me try to wrap up here. There's a song that, uh, and I said I wouldn't do this, but here I, here I go. Um, Sister White used to sing this song in, in our church, and she said, The battle's not mine. Said little David, Lord, it's thine. I'm in your favor. I've given it all to you. I do not want to do. You said you'd walk with me. And you're really all that I need, Lord. The battle's not mine. I give it to you. Lord, it's thine. And I don't know if you remember that or not, but it sounds, you could insert Jehoshaphat. It just wouldn't sound very good into David's spot. The battle's not mine, said little Jehoshaphat. But it is, it is actually very, uh, very true in what, in what I'm saying here. We say the battle's the Lord's to fight, but we still stress like it's ours. We still worry like it's ours. And we waste all of our energy swinging at it when we shouldn't have been worrying, but we should have been worshiping. God wants his battle back. So how do we give it back? It's a matter of focus. It's looking beyond what is coming against you and looking what is fighting for you and what is within you. So whenever I say get in position to fight, maybe your idea of, of that has changed since we've been talking. Because God is fighting for Judah. Judah is, means praise. God is fighting for worshipers. God is fighting for praises. He's fighting for his people. He's fighting for you. You are his friend. You get his help. You get his strength. You get his mercy. You get his miracles. You get his provision. You get his angels. If you worship, you wage the war of worship. What you do when the battle chooses you, you worship your way through it. Now that sounds good, but it feels dumb. Let me just go through that scripture a little bit again. Because here comes the coalition of the enemy. They're 25 miles away. Jehoshaphat says, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Let's gather all the people up. Let's gather them all up. Everybody comes in. They're all wondering, Jehoshaphat, great, wise, mighty king, what's the plan? We're going to sing. That's what he said. We're going to sing. We're going to praise. But, you know, in verse 17, it says, you will not have to fight this battle. You will experience the victory. Not by fighting, but by focusing. Now, I've got a song I know it's been littered with songs today, but I've got a song that I've been listening to, and really Miranda's been listening to, and then I just overheard it because she sings it all the time in the house, and, and then I started studying this, and then things started coming together, and I want you guys to hear it, and I want you to look at the words, because there, there's a video that's going to be on the screen, 
Look at the words and what it means, because it's exactly what I'm saying tonight. Steve, if you could turn the lights down just a little bit, just so we can focus on the words, I would appreciate it. so much better his way If I could have you stand tonight.
Thank you, Jesus. Can we just give him praise? Because all we have to do is stay still. You know, and, and if you would go ahead and come and make your way up for prayer. I know, I know it's late. I know I took too long. I am so sorry. You know, singing is a strange strategy to fight three nations that are attacking you at once. However, sometimes the battle's so big that we can't fight it on our own. And you know, and I always, whenever I've read this, I've heard this story told a lot of times. And I've, I've always thought the scripture meant that when you're in deep trouble, you should sing. You know, that's what, that's what I got out of it. But not everybody can sing, and not everybody likes music. But I've now realized that this passage of scripture, it's not necessarily about music, but it's more about focus. And today I want you, as you're coming, if you need prayer, to look past your enemy Praise God for the splendor of His holiness. 
let's focus and focus on what's right about God and not focus what's not right about our life and what's going on. Because if you focus on that and you look past what's standing in front of you, that's bigger than you, that came up from behind you, and you look at the God that's bigger than all of it, and you praise Him for the splendor of His holiness. As we read the scripture the, and go on to the end of it, it says the angel armies of God defeated three attacking nations and the enemy that started eliminating the other enemies. So they started fighting one another. See, God's going to fight what you can see by sending what you can't see, which is the angel armies. He's going to declare an ambush against your insecurity. He's going to declare ambush against addiction. He's going to declare an ambush against oppression, an ambush against darkness in your life, an ambush on your children that are unsaved and your loved ones that are unsaved. And God is going to use everything that came against you. <laughs> and he's going to use everything that was meant for evil for the glory of the Lord. See, your enemies are going to start fighting one another instead of fighting you. So tonight as we gather around this altar, Give your battle to God. If it's too big for you, then it has to be God's. Give him your child. Give him your finances. Give him your addiction. Give him your marriage. And fight your battles by facing them with the correct focus. Giving God the glory for who he is, what he's done, and what he's going to do again and again and again and again. And you know what? He's going to call it your victory. He's going to call it your victory. He's going to bring back the head of the enemy and give it to you as if you had done it. So let us pray tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray over this congregation. Lord, first of all, we want to praise you for who you are. Lord, what you've done, how mighty, how wonderful, how glorious you are and how holy you are and we are not worthy to stand here in front of your presence but Lord we are yours and we are your uh, your possession and you care for us we are your joy and Lord I just thank you Lord that the battle isn't ours and that it's not my problem it's your problem and Lord if I'll just worship if I'll just stand here if I'll just face it you never said that I didn't have to come against anything. But you never said I would be there alone, that you would fight your, the battle for me. Lord, all we have to do is call on your name. Even when we didn't know it was coming, even when we didn't see it coming, even when we didn't get advance notice of the battle that we were facing, all we have to do is worship. All we have to do is praise. All we have to do is bow down and stay still. When we don't know what to do, we worship. When we don't know the way, we worship. We tell you how mighty you are and how the victories of the past has been won. And we talk about the cross. And we talk about the blood you shed and the, and the mighty victory you had over death, hell, and the grave. Lord, we go and remember the times that you have called the Israelites out of bondage. Lord, in generation after generation after generation. Lord, I remember the times that you healed my dad. 
Lord, I remember the times that you healed people in this church. Lord, we remember John Sells. We remember the victory. Lord, we, we remember the deliverance from disease and the great and mighty battles that you've won. And we give it to you today. We praise you, Jesus. You take as much time as you want. You've got battles to war, and he is there with you. Spend as much time in prayer. But the next time, don't spend all your time worrying. Don't spend all your time and energy worrying and stressing about the situation. But spend your time in worship to the one that can handle it for you. Thank you, Jesus.